This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about solutions for folks that have tax or other government debts. Uh, Learning some key facts about options to manage government debts like outstanding taxes and student loans. Dealing with that unmanageable balance on the government debt like overdue taxes or student loans presents some pretty big challenges compared to other consumer debts. But Blair is going to highlight some of the key facts that we can be aware of in dealing with government debt and what options we have to get partial or even full debt forgiveness. Blair, in your work as a licensed insolvency trustee, there must be some common types of government debts that you keep seeing uh, week after week that people are, are trying to deal with and you can give them some help with. Oh, certainly, Elaine. And, you know, it's not everybody that comes in the door owes CRA, but the majority of people that are self-employed, you know, when you're running your own business and things get tough, you know, it's often amounts owing to CRA can suddenly become the last to get paid. So it's quite a, you know, a strong proportion of the client base that comes in that does have some tax debt. Um, But what's really good for people to know is tax debt is a debt like any other and that it does have a solution. It can be dealt with uh, working with a licensed insolvency trustee. So the most common types of debts that we see, they're generally under the umbrella of Canada Revenue Agency, and CRA um, does collect for a number of different government programs. But the main categories are things like personal income taxes, which is relatively straightforward. You file your taxes, there's a balance owing, you're unable to clear that um, by by the deadline in the year owed. Uh, GST debt from your business. Um, this can often be quite significant because, you know, 5% of your sales, you should be holding in trust and sending back to the government. But oftentimes when things get tough, um, that can be one of the first things that can stop happening. Um, student loans, whether it's a national student loan or provincial student loan, um, CRA often handles the collections for those as well. Um, medical services plan, so MSP, which we all know here in BC, although it stopped in January of 2020, if there was a balance owing, that balance was not written off and CRA could be collecting for that you know, at, at present now. And owing CRA money, I don't need to tell anybody who's owed CRA money, it's not something you'd want, it's not a situation you'd want to be in because CRA does have very strong collection powers, which we'll talk about, but they also charge compounding daily interest on unpaid latest balances owing. Um, and if you just decide not to file your tax return because you know you owe them money, um, that can be even worse because when you do eventually file, um, they're going to hit you with late filing penalties and they might even double those penalties if it's not your first time filing a return late. So generally, CRA has a lot of recourse, a lot of ability uh, to make things challenging. uh, But again, there is hope you can deal with a tax debt. And I want to throw in, I haven't told this story for a very long time, Blair, but even if you're dealing with somebody's estate and you think, Mm -hmm. oh, well, CRA can't possibly want to go after me because I'm looking after my mother's affairs or or whatever, uh, they do. (laughs) There's there's not a lot of leeway. It's like, you owe this money. It's compounding interest as we speak. You need to get this paid ASAP. Uh, It was quite a surprise to me. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. In in some cases, you'll find, you know... (laughs) 
depending on the day and the person, they could be very reasonable or others. They're not too interested in circumstances. This is the obligation that has to be met. And if you're administering on behalf of someone else, you could be liable if you haven't done things correctly. So it, totally. it can be a very challenging situation for sure. Yeah. Even though lots of other people will bend over backwards because, you know, you're dealing with an estate of, uh, you know, a, a parent or whatever. Yeah. Man, lot, CRA yeah. doesn't always care. <laughs> Any, just yeah. a little word of advice. Okay. So what are some yeah. of the other kinds of challenges that come up for people dealing with these types of debts, Blair? Well, for any of our regular listeners, they would know, you know, we often say not all debts are created equal. Um, you know, the dollar is a dollar and theoretically in what you owe, but certain creditors do have extra powers and certain different parameters. So the first off with tax debt is you have to know there's no limitation period on tax debt. It doesn't expire. It doesn't go away. You can't wait out CRA uh, whenever you're, you know, if you leave the country, when you come back, that that's still going to be there. So it's not the case as it would be with a consumer debt, you know, a MasterCard or a Visa. You could say, okay, for two years, I'm just going to wait and see, are these people going to sue me? And if two years goes by and they haven't sued me, the debt is now beyond the limitations period. Nothing like that happens with tax debt. So it is something, you know, it's pay now or pay later. And usually it's a whole lot better to face it earlier on before it's compounded and, and increased due to penalties and other things like that. Um, but the second part of that is so the debt doesn't go away. But as I alluded to earlier, the means that CRA has to collect on that debt um, is enhanced beyond any other creditor. So way more power than the banks, the payday loan companies or anything. Um, CRA has the right to proceed with very severe collection actions virtually overnight. Uh, most common creditors, so again, a bank or a credit card company, they have to apply to court, hire a lawyer, spend a bunch of costs, give you notice of everything with CRA all of those steps can be skipped. You don't even have to know, get, receive any notice that your wages might be taken on your paycheck of next week or that your house might have a charge registered against it. CRA can do those things with very little notice towards you. Now, that's not their default. Usually, they're going to start trying to work with you, having good communication. But if you go silent, you could expect perhaps that some of these significant collection activities could happen against you. Uh, what CRA can also do, with, which other creditors can't, so again, a typical bank or credit card company, they can go to you know your HR department and start to get your wages if they've sued you. But let's say you're self-employed, there's not much a typical credit, credit card company could do even if they've sued you and you're self-employed. With CRA, they can go direct to your clients and say any money that your clients owe you has to be paid directly to CRA. That's called a requirement to pay, and essentially that chokes a business's revenue source, uh, re revenue off at the source, and often puts people out of business. So that's very drastic. Um, they can also garnish or seize pension and EI benefits, so CPP and OAS. You may have heard that can never be taken to pay debt. Well, it can't be taken for consumer debt, but the government can decide they're not going to pay you anything unless you start to pay them some money, which I've seen before. Uh, they can start to intercept a rental or lease income from your tenants. Uh, they can even start to seize things from your bank account, uh, put charges on your home against investment proceeds. So there's a lot of things uh, CRA can do that other creditors just don't have the power to do. So that really speaks to the good idea to, if you're in this situation, to take some action with a licensed insolvency trustee and, and get this handled, or at least start the process to get it handled. And Sands & Associates is the place to go. The number 1-800-661-3030 or their website, sands-trustee.com. Uh, if you or someone you know is struggling with owing the government money, that's the very best step that you can take is uh, talk to a licensed insolvency trustee at Sands & Associates. Um, Blair, can you take us? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, Elena, and what's, what's really important about that, too, is if you do take action early, you can essentially forestall or stop CRA from being able to take any of these extreme remedies against you. So when I mentioned, you know, they can seize your bank account or freeze your bank account, uh, we sometimes have people running through our doors. Okay, CRA has frozen my bank account. We're saying, okay, this is their first step. What they might do next is they might put a charge against your house, for example. So let's start to take some action now so we can stop that from happening, because if yeah. they put a charge against your house, it's just like another mortgage being on title. It's not a mortgage they're going to require you to pay um, or to you know to, to make regular payments against. Um, but when it's time for you to sell your home or if you try to refinance your mortgage, CRA is going to get paid out before you receive any funds. So it is important you take action uh, to deal with the CRA debt before they've started to put charges against title or started to freeze your bank accounts. Some things can be undone, but it's always better to do it before they've taken that action against you. Okay. So since we're right there, what are some of the kinds of options that, that somebody could take uh, to resolve this debt issue and that you can help them take to resolve their debt? Yeah, well, first off, it's for people to understand they do have options because a lot of the times, even today, uh, people come in and they'll tell me about all of their debts and it's almost towards the end of the meeting. They'll say, oh, yeah, I've also got this tax debt. But I know you guys can't help with that. So at least dealing with the other debt, I'll be able, better able to pay the taxes. It's not that case at all. There are means to eliminate, to reduce, to negotiate, um, to get out of government debt, essentially, for what you can afford to repay. It's not meant to be a life sentence when you owe the government money. Uh, there's two remedies you can work with a licensed insolvency trustee to implement. Uh, they're essentially the only two remedies short of taking the government to court or having, you know, very long acrimonious fights with them um, trying to get the debt, um, you know, if you say it's, it's not a valid debt. But if it is a valid debt, there's two ways you can deal with it. One is to do a consumer proposal and a consumer proposal it would consolidate all of your debt, uh, put it together into a single monthly payment and give you a monthly payment you could afford that's usually based on repaying a portion of the debt. So it could be as low as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar. It could be as high as 80 or 90 cents on the dollar. It really depends on the circumstances, but often it is a significant reduction. And if the tax debt is so severe, it could be, I've seen hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, you know, doing a proposal to pay back a percentage of that just might not be possible. But filing for bankruptcy, if you're unable to make a consumer proposal, bankruptcy is your other option. And depending on your circumstances, it could be over in as little as nine months for someone who's never been bankrupt before and is low income, uh, their bankruptcy could finish in as little as nine months. So sometimes people go from thinking there's no solution at all to this tax debt, it's going to be around my neck for the rest of my life to, oh my gosh, I could be free of this in nine months or if I choose to do a repayment plan, it could take a little bit longer, but I avoid the bankruptcy. So people should have hope as dark as it can seem in the moment when CRA is threatening or has already seized assets or income, you can recover by doing either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. Okay. And again, the only people that are going to be able to do that with you and for you is a licensed insolvency trustee. Now we've got a, a, just about two minutes left. Blair, do you want to talk about, um, uh, and I think this is a really good question, and I don't know if we've covered this question before, but does getting debt forgiveness on uh, through bankruptcy or consumer proposal uh, from government debt, does it impact a person's ability to access uh, government benefits later once it's all looked after? Like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, really good question, Elaine. Um, and the answer is no, it doesn't impact your ability. So you can still be eligible and apply for student loans, for EI benefits, emergency benefits, housing benefits, pensions, and more uh, following a government debt being included or written off as part of your bankruptcy or consumer proposal. Sometimes people are reluctant. They'll say, well, if I write off this government debt, are they just going to cut off my pension for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. I've never seen that happen. It will not happen. So uh, just because you deal with your government debt shouldn't cost compromise your ability to have government support in the future. And just very finally here, I know we're down to the last about minute or so, but a lot of people are calling us about CERB overpayment. So ah. the emergency response benefit, uh, if you were not entitled to it or you were or whatever, and government's asking for money back, it has now been clarified. Absolutely. That is a debt a trustee can assist with. So if you've got a CERB overpayment, speak to a licensed insolvency trustee. It can be dealt with as part of either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. We're starting to see more and more of those and people are very scared but to us it's just any other debt and the government has said they don't intend to try to keep this outside of the insolvency system it is part of debts that people can get a fresh start on if they need to okay and again a licensed insolvency trustee is going to be the only one that's going to be able to help you with this and come up with a strategy and take this on and get to that debt-free position uh sands and associates their website is so good it's got so much good information so many questions and really good answers thoughtful answers easy to understand answers uh sands-trustee.com is the website or you can just give them a call and get that appointment 1-800-661 3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So this segment is what is it? It's entitled What Happens If I File from Bankruptcy? We're going to learn about the impacts of declaring personal bankruptcy in this province. And Blair's going to explain how bankruptcy works, which is going to be good information if you don't already know or have some questions around it, and some of the key ways that personal bankruptcy does and doesn't affect you. So I like that part, Blair. You're, you're probably going to dispel some, some myths that we have about bankruptcy as well in this province. Well, there's a ton of those, that, that's for sure. It's not exclusive to, to BC, just about anywhere. When you say the word bankruptcy, um, you know, people have just a conception in their mind of what that means. Uh, and we've got a great YouTube video with the title, Bankruptcy, It's Not As Bad As You Think. And that's generally true for most people. So I'm happy today we're going to go through and give a little bit more detail. And I think a lot of the listeners will say, yeah, this bankruptcy process, it's not something that I want to do. It's not a first option, first thing you do. It's, it's your last resort if nothing else works, but it's not as severe, not permanent, uh, not as life altering negatively, more positively than most people do think. Okay. And before we get started, just another bit of a question. I know we're going to talk about, or you're going to talk about the bankruptcy process in Canada and what it involves. Is it different province to province or there are some, so many similarities that we sort of talk about it on a national level? Yeah, it's more similar than different. So bankruptcy in Canada is governed under federal law. So theoretically, it's the same everywhere with the exception of Quebec, which has their own their own uh, civil code. Uh, province to province, it varies a little bit, mainly in which assets are protected. So BC has some great exemptions if someone files for bankruptcy. One of the myths myths is that you lose everything. The truth is the province protects many of your assets. So we're going to talk about that as we go through. So it's generally the same as the same law, but there are some provincial variations. So it's important you obviously get the right advice for whatever jurisdiction you're in. Cool. Well, let's get started. So let's start off. Uh, if you can explain the process, the actual bankruptcy process in Canada and what it involves. 
Sure. So if you're struggling with too much debt, debt that you just can't manage, bankruptcy is one of two legal remedies that are available enshrined in Canadian law to help you deal with that debt and get a financial fresh start. So bankruptcy gives you the ability to eliminate virtually all of your debt and get protection from your creditors. And that protection can just be huge because oftentimes if someone has a bunch of debt that they're not paying, they might be getting called, you know, 10 times a day. They might have their wages seized, a bunch of threats against them. So when you go into bankruptcy, you often get to breathe a large sigh of relief that you've got some protection now. The law is stepping in to say, you know, here's the new rules of the game when someone's in bankruptcy. Here's what can and can't happen. What's important for people to know too is you don't need permission from your creditors to file for bankruptcy and you don't need to apply to court. It's not the case that there's a big uncertainty. Will you be approved for bankruptcy? Is someone going to say, oh no, you don't, you're not entitled to this remedy? Um, the eligibility is just that you have to owe more than a thousand dollars, which is a very low bar, and that hasn't changed since this law was written in the, around the Great Depression almost a hundred years ago. But you have to owe more than a thousand dollars and you have to be insolvent. And the term insolvent means that you're just not able to pay your debts as they become due. So it might be the case you've got a ton of debt, it well exceeds your assets. There's no way even if you sold everything uh, you'd be able to pay your debts or it could be that you've got a lot of debt or sorry a lot of assets but it's all tied up in a house and you really don't want to sell that house um, so in that way you're insolvent because you're not able to pay your your bills as they become due um, so once you file for bankruptcy a licensed insolvency trustee is the person that you're going to work with they're going to prepare bankruptcy documents to sign together and make the process official uh, if it's an urgent situation meaning you've been sued for a debt or your wages are being seized or you know you just need that relief very quickly it's possible for a bankruptcy to get started in as little as 24 hours. Uh, for the most part, it's a series of meetings, usually over a two to three week process from when someone comes in the door. Uh, we just discover their whole situation, explain to them all of the options. And then if they choose to do a bankruptcy, we get the documents prepared from there. Uh, one final point here is that people often think, okay, what do I have to do while I'm in bankruptcy? Because the whole idea is you file for bankruptcy, you're in bankruptcy for a period of time, you do some work to restructure yourself, and then you exit bankruptcy and all the debt gets left behind and you've got a fresh financial start. Uh, the main things that you have to do, none of these are, are insurmountable or exceptionally onerous. And there's actually a lot of good points to taking these duties. Uh, the main thing you have to do while you're in bankruptcy is you have to keep a monthly budget. So you have to show what's the income that your household earned and where is that money going. And if you're not making a bunch of debt payments, hopefully your household budget is looking a whole lot better than it was before and you're able to live within your means each month. So part of bankruptcy has a bit of a financial rehabilitation component. And the way we do that is we get every client to keep a monthly budget. And then we review that as part of another duty in bankruptcy is to attend two private financial counseling sessions. So these aren't group sessions where, you know, you're held up in front and gee, here's your situation. You could have made different different decisions, nothing like that. It's supportive, non-judgmental, empathetic counselor who on a private one-on-one -on -one basis, at least two times during the bankruptcy, is going to sit down with you, understand what circumstances conspired to get you in this situation, and then what do you do in the future so you can try to avoid, rebuild your credit, uh, achieve some financial goals. So each month you'll keep a budget, you'll attend some financial counseling sessions. Most of the rest you're going to do without thinking much about it. You know, you'll keep the trustee informed about your ad, 
address. You'll give us information to file your taxes. And then in terms of bankruptcy payments, uh, if you're considered low income, you make a minimum payment in the bankruptcy. It's usually $200 a month for a nine month period. A lot of people are surprised to learn bankruptcy can be over in nine months, but that is the case for about 80% of people. If you're not low income, uh, then the payment is scaled based on your income and your household family size. So in a very quick nutshell, that's what bankruptcy means in Canada. It's usually a lot less severe than most people think. No, that's excellent. Um, and before we go any further, I just want to remind folks that if you already know, or if just listening to Blair talk, that this is the kind of action you want to take, or you want to take some sort of action to deal with your debt, uh, and and the one, one way to do that, the only way if it's bankruptcy and a consumer proposal, which you'll hear about as well, is talking to a licensed insolvency trustee, you can set up that appointment uh, at Sands & Associates. And here's the number. It's 1-800-661-3030. Or go to the website sands-trustee.com. So the next question, Blair, is what are some of the outcomes uh, for folks when they declare personal bankruptcy? Right. As we said earlier, you know, nobody jumps into bankruptcy as, you know, here's the first option of what we can do. Um, generally, it's the last option when you're feeling very stressed out and other things haven't worked. But immediately when you file for bankruptcy, you get some pretty welcome relief. Um, you get the ability to really breathe again, to stop all of these collection calls, stop all of these debt actions. And the most powerful thing is that bankruptcy can eliminate virtually all types of debt uh, with full debt forgiveness possible for debts that could include, and this isn't the entire list, but, you know, pretty dominant here, uh, consumer and business debts uh, from credit cards, lines of credit, overdrafts, even payday loans, which we're seeing more and more. Uh, government debt, usually many people are quite surprised to hear that a bankruptcy can deal with debts for income taxes, for GST. We're seeing a ton about CERB overpayments, so the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. If you have a tax bill because of that, a bankruptcy would eliminate it, even student loans and ICBC debts as well. Uh, if you had a shortfall because you financed a vehicle or a house that was sold at a loss, um, that could be dealt with in a bankruptcy, uh, as well as any debts you might have personally guaranteed for somebody else, or even debts that you owe somebody else personally. Maybe you've borrowed from a friend or family member, uh, and your understanding is, well, that's a private debt. A bankruptcy can't help with that. No, a bankruptcy can deal with virtually every debt. And the whole idea is that you get a fresh financial start, that when you come out the other side of the bankruptcy, nothing is hanging around your neck that's going to drag you down. Uh, as I mentioned before, once you file for bankruptcy, your creditors are no longer able to continue contacting you for payments and they can't take any collection activities against you. So the debts are frozen as of the day you file for bankruptcy. No further interest can be added. All the collection letters, the calls, the texts, the harassment, all of that comes to a grinding halt. And if you had been sued or having your wages seized or anything like that, any assets in jeopardy, all of that gets stopped immediately. And if it hasn't started yet, it's not allowed to start. So that whole idea of protection, you get to breathe again to restructure yourself and come out the other side of the bankruptcy. That's the objective here. Um, a lot of people hesitate to file a bankruptcy because they've got some misconceptions. They think, you know, bankruptcy is the end of their financial life. They'll never recover from it. You know, a very common one is most people think, well, I'm going to lose everything everything that I have, all of my assets, all the furniture in my house, sometimes you know, even think they're firstborn, things like that. Uh, and the reality is going through a bankruptcy, just about everybody is able to keep all of their assets. And in fact, they get additional protection when they file a bankruptcy proceeding because there are provincial exemptions, basically provincial laws that say, even if you file for bankruptcy, you need to retain assets to reestablish yourself after. So things like your household furniture, your clothing, uh, a vehicle, 
even home equity, even your RRSPs and all pension plans. Those are all protected assets if you file for bankruptcy. So you might be getting a ton of collection calls every day thinking you've got to cash in your RRSPs to pay these debts off. You file for bankruptcy, you can protect those RRSPs, get that fresh start that you need. Excellent. Now, in the in the remaining time that we've got, I sort of jumped the gun when I mentioned a consumer proposal. Can we talk about that as being the second option for folks if bankruptcy doesn't quite fit the bill, then a consumer proposal will and and some yeah. just briefly outline some things that that might help might give somebody uh, some hope if bankruptcy isn't their thing. Oh, absolutely. I love, I love nothing more than talking about consumer yeah. proposals. And what's fascinating, too, is so many people come to see us and they think bankruptcy is all that we can offer. Um, of the people that come to see us, 85% of them do not file a bankruptcy. They actually file a consumer proposal instead. And that's a number that's increased dramatically in the last few years. It used to be about 60, 65%. Now it's, again, a very strong majority. 85% of people file this thing called a consumer proposal. Well, what is a consumer proposal? Well, a consumer proposal is an alternative alternative to bankruptcy and it's meant to be a win-win. So the win to your creditors is you offer them a partial repayment back on the debt, usually in the range of 20 to 40% of the debt outstanding, maybe a little higher or lower. Uh, the win to you is you avoid the bankruptcy altogether. So when you offer a consumer proposal, you're saying to your creditors, I could file bankruptcy tomorrow and you couldn't reject it. You'd have no ability to contest this proceeding and you might end up with maybe zero recovered on the debt, maybe five or 10 cents on the dollar. I'd prefer not to file that bankruptcy and you'd prefer to get more money back on your debt, right? So if we offer you a consumer proposal for something around 20 or 30 cents on the dollar, it's payable on a term up to five years on monthly payments. You don't have to qualify with a credit rating or borrow any money. And it's the same trustee that can help you file a bankruptcy is the same trustee that can help you avoid that bankruptcy by filing a consumer proposal. So I often say it's the most powerful debt solution that you may have never have heard of. If you listen to this show at all, you've definitely heard of it because I believe it's my life work to make people aware, uh, but it's such a powerful alternative and people should definitely consider that if you're contemplating a bankruptcy, your trustee is also going to see if we can help avoid that by helping you with a consumer proposal. Excellent. So here's the deal, folks. It, bankruptcy or consumer proposal. Those are two of many options uh, that Blair and his team of uh, debt specialists and licensed insolvency trustees right across the province are almost in every town in, in British Columbia now. Uh, they're the ones to sit down with and talk to and work out the best solution for you. Uh, for any information, I want to give you the website again. It's sands-trustee.com. It's a terrific website for questions and really, really good answers, or give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 for that free consultation and to find an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. Should you be worried? That's what this segment's all about. We're going to talk about warning signs that should not be ignored. So how do you know that you're in trouble with your debt? We're going to talk about uh, key warning signs that we can learn that you should never ignore when it comes to your debt. Uh, consumers, of course, everybody's dodging more financial obstacles than ever. And it can be difficult to pinpoint when debt has shifted from sort of standard payment to bigger issues that need attention. So Blair's going to share some warning signs signs about problem debt that shouldn't be ignored and where you can go to get some help and some solutions. So Blair, you talk to people every day who've come to you for advice on managing their debt or, or know they're in trouble and need to take action. What would you say is the most common trigger that prompts folks to reach out, make that phone call, show up in your office or have a Zoom with you? 
Yeah, it, it's definitely, Elaine, it's not the case. It's a financial or a calculated trigger. So there are very few people. There are some that, you know, calculate their debt to equity ratio and do a very detailed financial analysis. For the most part, the vast majority of people, it's they can feel it in their bones almost. They mm -hmm. feel overwhelming stress about their debt and their finances. And really simply, if you think you have a debt problem, my experience is you probably do. And you've probably been feeling this way for a long time and you should have reached out sooner, but at least you're reaching out now. So debt can be such a heavy burden for many people on many levels. A lot of the time we feel this big moral obligation, which, which is a good thing. Obviously, if we borrow money, we should do our best to repay it. But oftentimes circumstances intervene and we're not kind to ourselves. We hold ourselves to a very unreasonable burden saying, well, I borrowed this, I must pay it back no matter what. And that can lead to huge manifestations of debt stress, uh, mental, physical, spiritual impacts, um, even impacting people to the point where they have serious depression and anxiety. Maybe they're off work, um, you know, serious um, issues in their interpersonal relationships. And what people need to know is that they're not alone. Um, Many people in at points in their life experience severe debt stress, and there are lots of solutions that can help you take back control. So you've really got to be honest with yourself, and you should seek support if any of the following are things that really um, categorize your daily life. So are you constantly worrying or thinking about your debt, just something that's always there, ever present? Are you having anxiety or desperation about your financial situation? You just don't know what to do. You can't see any hope about the future. And you feel like things are out of control. You feel helpless and, and hopeless. Um, so a lot of the times people are starting to feel that. They're flailing about, not sure what to do. That's just a big warning sign. It doesn't have to be that you're $100,000 in debt or your debt is 10 times your annual income. There's various different metrics that we, we can look at. But really, if you're feeling like you don't know what to do, you're feeling stressed out, that's the number one reason uh, why people should reach out for debt help. Uh, you know, the number two indication, you know, all, other than feeling stressed, is just putting the problem aside, just deciding not to deal with it. Um, you can be uncertain about where you stand, or you might just feel too overwhelmed to put things together. Maybe you're procrastinating, you've stopped opening your mail. Um, I have people that bring in or definitely pre-COVID. Now we do a whole lot more over video, but I used to have people that would bring in, you know, stacks of unopened mail. We sit down and go through it together. And just as that stack grew and then it was almost taunting them from the corner of their office or, or their room saying, you know, I know you're not dealing with me. And every month the pile gets a little bit higher. So if you're avoiding adding up your account balances, if you're letting the correspondence stack up because you just can't bear to open it, or even more importantly, if you're starting to downplay or hide your situation from those that care about you most, maybe from your family or from your spouse, um, you know, that's a big indication that has probably reached a point where you'd benefit from at least having a supportive conversation with a good professional. And I, and you know, it's, it would be such a, a feeling of loneliness that I'm in mm -hmm. this situation, shame and loneliness, right? Nobody can help me. I've got myself in this predicament by myself you know, that whole uh, isolating thing that can happen for folks. It must be just horrible when they finally walk in the door or really good once they sit mm. down with you um, and start talking about this situation. Yeah. And, that, and that's such a gift that we have as licensed insolvency trustees at Sands and Associates is to be a part of that transformation and to be able to see it. Uh, literally, it's physical. So I can see people from the first day when they walked in my office, I can observe their posture, their body language, you know, just their general demeanor. And then my gosh, the transformation, even as soon as a few weeks later, when we flipped the script and we said, okay, we've got a proposal in place. This is something you can afford. You're facing the debt problem hands on. You could have done a bankruptcy. You decided to restructure things in 
instead, then people can get a whole lot of pride and move forward. But that feeling of embarrassment, uh, of shame. And that's why we focus so much on no matter what, we know everyone's entitled to live with dignity, with respect, and without the overwhelming stress of debt. So when people come in for a first meeting, that's usually the most uncertain they are about the process. As soon as they know the approach a trustee is going to take, um, they can already start to feel better. And some of those physical and emotional signs can start to get relieved almost after that first meeting. I've had people say they felt like they were walking on air, like we haven't really done anything yet, but just giving them the idea of what can be done, some hope for the future, that can be just a breath of fresh air for so many people. And if Blair's just described you, I'm going to give you the phone number for Sands and Associates. It's 1-800-661-3030. The website, also a way to contact the office, and there's offices all over British Columbia now, sands-trustee.com. So what are some of the other common signs that it may be time to reconsider how you're managing debt, Blair? Well, if you're always using credit, so if you're making payments on your debt each month, but also you're using your overdraft every single month, uh, you always seem to have to reach for your credit card between paydays uh, to cover any unanticipated expenses. Uh, maybe you're shuffling money from one credit product to another, getting a cash advance on one to pay a minimum on another. Uh, we've had clients refer to that as financial Tetris, just trying to just structure everything so it can go just another month forward. Um, you know, those are all big warning signs, as well as if you're regularly borrowing from family or friends, or if you're taking some of these, you know, last resort financings like a payday loan or like some of these new debt consolidation or installment loans, which can have really high interest rates, um, those can be really big warning signs that, you know, although you're doing something, the activity that you're doing is not improving your debt situation. You may be just deteriorating further by accessing financing like that or just by continually being at the mercy of having to use credit every single month. So that's definitely a, a big warning sign. Uh, you know, one other thing that you want to do is really consider your budget. So you really want to look towards, you know, how much of your household budget is being spent on debt payments and is that sustainable? So if you're covering all of your debt payments each month, but it's at the expense of you not being able to provide for all of your household necessities or really skimping on, um, you know, food or, or medical care or different things like that, you know, that's not something sustainable for the long term. And if your budget isn't providing for any emergency savings or you're not able to afford, you know, the insurances that you would need, if you're a renter, you know, having contents insurance, that can be the difference um, between having your life completely disrupted if something happens or having all of your stuff replaced and having a place to stay during that. Um, you know, you really want to make sure your budget is prioritizing all the really important things for your life and not just prioritizing your debt payments each month. Excellent. Now, I know there's we've got a lot of information in this segment, but I really would like to sort of move ahead a little bit to the port to the part where you talk about. Um, and it's such a, it's so good because we know people sit on the fence and yeah. not sure what to do, when to jump off, when to stay, when to come up with another idea. So is there some advice that you can offer someone who who's listening to this segment right now, who's on the fence mm -hmm. about getting professional guidance in dealing with their debts? Well, of course. And we know why people delay because they tell us. We survey our client base every year for the last 10 years, and it's very consistent. People don't reach out because they're determined to manage things independently. They think they can get out of this under their own steam. They got into it themselves. They get out of it themselves. Uh, sometimes they think there's no solution to their situation. They're just not aware of the other options. Sometimes they don't know where to seek help. Uh, or often what can be the most difficult is, again, they feel that embarrassment, that shame, and they're worried about being judged when they reach out for help that someone's going to talk to them 
about all the mistakes they made and how they should have done differently. And, you know, my advice is, as many of my clients have said, is just ask for the help. You know, the hardest step is just taking that first step, reaching out, making that phone call, submitting the inquiry online. We're going to take you take you through every step of the way side by side. Um, everyone that we have at Sands and Associates, respectful, compassionate. We're here because we want to help people get out of debt, whether that solution includes anything we can do or if there's other opportunities that don't include us, we'll tell you about everything. We just want to see you have a better tomorrow than the stressful debt today that you might be living with. So good. And, and, you know, I've got to say over the years of working with Blair, I've met um, not a, a lot, but I've met a number of people who you work with and who work for Sands and Associates. And they're just kind of caring people who actually are doing this work because they really want to, because the end result is they get to help somebody out who's in a financial mm -hmm. situation that can't get out themselves. So I want you to keep that in mind. I also want you to keep mm -hmm. it in mind the website. It's sands-trustee.com, where it's loads of good questions and answers, as well as good information for you to take the next step. And the phone number, it's 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. So we're going to talk about avoiding the trap of minimum payments. And, I, you know, part of me thinks, oh, that sounds like such a good idea. That would sound like such a good idea to folks who are in debt to have a minimum payment. If I just pay this off every month, then eventually it'll be looked after. But we both know and lots of folks know that there's a much better way. So this segment's all about understanding the risks of making only minimum monthly payment on your debts and what you can do to pay off your debt faster. And of course, Blair, President, I just want to mention of BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees. It's going to focus on debt help services for consumers. He's going to explain more and pretty much how you can break free from that minimum payment trap, which it can be for folks. So Blair, can you first start by helping us understand how minimum monthly payments work and why it's so risky to only make those kinds of payments? Yes, yeah, certainly. So most people, they use their credit cards, you know, for day-to-day -day purchases, sometimes to cover an unanticipated expense. And with any sort of revolving credit, if you don't pay the balance in full, you start to incur some interest each month. Um, and then if you don't pay that in full each month, well, then they put you on a payment plan, essentially, where they know you're not going to be able to pay things in full this month. And that's okay, because every month that balance is just going to be kicked forward, extra interest charges, and you're going to be asked to make a minimum payment payment. And a lot of the times we have this assumption that, you know, this minimum payment, it's a reasonable amount of the debt. It's going to be me paying down the debt just by making minimums. I'm doing the right thing for me. Um, but when we actually look deeper at how minimum payments are calculated, um, first off, it varies quite a bit from bank to bank. It can even vary from card to card within a bank. But very commonly, minimum payments are such that maybe 5 to 10% of what you're actually paying on the card each month is actually going to reduce the balance. Um, the the remainder of what you're paying is going to interest and fees, stuff that's just going to be charged again each month. So minimum payments are often structured as either a flat dollar amount, often as little as $10 plus interest or fees. So I know on one credit card that I have, regardless of the balance, they say my minimum payment will be interest, fees, 
and $10. So whatever amount of balance I have, it's going to go down by $10 each month if I'm just making the minimum payment. Um, sometimes it is structured as the higher of a dollar amount, so at least $10, um, or a percentage of your outstanding balance, you know, often 3%. Um, things are different in Quebec. Quebec has just done a big rewrite um, of their minimum payment rules to make it a lot more clear to consumers that, you know, if they're paying, making minimum payments, um, they've increased them so they will be out of debt sooner. But across the rest of Canada, it often is a very small amount of your minimum payment that actually goes to reduce your debt. And what's fascinating is on each credit card statement that you receive, it's been this way for more than 10 years, but still it can be buried on some statements. There has to be a disclosure that says how long will it take to pay off your credit card if you only make those minimum payments. And I got a few examples here and they're always jaw dropping to me. I hope the listeners find them interesting as well. But this is why we call it the minimum payment trap uh, because you think you're doing the right thing, but oftentimes you're just spinning your wheels and not moving ahead. So let's say there was $5,000 on a retail store credit card with a 29.9% interest rate. So not an extreme situation where someone would say, okay, this person needs to file for bankruptcy tomorrow, but enough of a situation where, okay, we want a plan to deal with this debt. If you're just going to make the minimum payments, you would be in debt for 50 years and four months. And on that $5,000 of debt, you would have paid $23,000 of interest. Isn't that shocking? That is shocking. And and that's if you just kept it to $5,000 and never used that mm -hmm. credit card again. Exactly. This is you not putting any new charges on it. And this might be for things that you bought long ago or getting no benefit for, yeah. but literally five decades from now, you could still be paying that off. And you might say, okay, well, you're crazy to have a 29.9% store interest yeah, store uh, credit card with that interest rate. Okay. Well, at a standard credit card interest rate of 18.9%, that $5,000 19 years and nine months. So sure, it's better than 50 years, but I don't want to be paying <laughs> off for 20 years. Uh, and you're still going to pay more than what you borrowed in interest. You'd still pay $5,300 of interest charges. And others might say, okay, well, what about a low rate interest card? You know, I, I've been smart. I phoned my bank. I got them to lower my interest rate down to 11.9. That $5,000 still 14 years and seven months and about $2,377 in interest. So it's just shocking when you sit down to do the math and realize that minimum payments are not designed to get you out of debt. They're designed to keep you in debt as long as possible and to maximize the amount of interest that you will eventually pay to the bank. Uh, what's the most counterintuitive part of this from my perspective as a financial professional is you making minimum payments each month is one of the best things you can do for your credit rating. Your credit rating generally looks great as long as you make your minimum payments over time. It doesn't always take into account whether you're actually ever going to pay back, pay down that debt. So oftentimes we have people come in and they're very proud of a great credit rating. And we look and we say, well, yeah, if you continue on the 50 year plan, you'll probably keep that great credit rating, but at the expense of ever being able to save money of having financial solvency. Um, so it's usually can be very eye opening when people start to look closely at their statements and realize just doing what they're doing is not getting them ahead. Not getting them ahead at all. I know we're going to talk about strategies to pay down your debt faster. I just want to throw in your phone number right now. 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number. Offices all over British Columbia. And sands-trustee.com is the website. Uh, just if, if your next step, you already know you're, you're in a bit of a, uh, you're in a bit of trouble and you want to take some action. That's how you talk to somebody from Sands and Associates and, and they'll help you there. So what are some of the strategies to to consider paying down the debts faster than what we've talked about, Blair. 
Yeah, a number of things that you can do. So, you know, one great thing, as I alluded to, is first off, talk to your lender about lowering your interest rates. So sometimes being at that 18.9, if you've made lots of payments on time for a long period of time, they might be agreeable to reducing that interest rate, which could save you a lot of money and reduce the time to pay off. Um, if you've tried that, whether it worked or not, you always want to focus on paying more than the minimum required and always pay on time, even as little as five to $10 extra. Um, you know, if we've said only $10 is going towards your debt, even putting $10 extra, that might be doubling the impact that you're having on each of those minimum payments. So there's a number of strategies that you can do within your budget. Sometimes um, if you've got a number of credit cards, you might want to focus on paying the highest interest rate first. This is usually your best practice. So on a sheet of paper, you write down all of your credit balances, minimum payments and interest rates. Of course, you have to pay all the minimums to stay current, but anything extra you have in your budget, I would throw 100% of that the highest interest card highest interest charge card just to try to reduce that one as soon as possible. Uh, sometimes people find they want to do a different uh, strategy where they call it, uh, you know, that was the, the snowball effect. Sometimes people just want to eliminate the smallest debts first to build some momentum. So you might just look at clearing your smallest balances regardless of the interest charge. But either way, it all comes down to having a plan. And if you're sitting down and you're not sure that you can even cover all the minimums or you can't put anything extra beyond the minimum payments each month, that's just a big indication that you should be having a, a discussion with a licensed insolvency trustee to see what other options are out there available to you. I think that's the best part too, is that you don't have to be in, in a catastrophic situation to make an appointment and talk to somebody from Sands and Associates. You can actually sit down with someone to say, okay, this is where it looks like I'm headed. Would you agree? And what can we do about it now? Any other tips about credit cards, Blair? Yeah, well, I think it's so important what you mentioned there, Elaine, that you, things don't have to be so dire that, you know, your wages are being seized the next day, the phone's ringing off the hook from collectors. Upwards of 70% of people who file a bankruptcy or make a consumer proposal actually have perfect credit. They've made all their payments on time. They look great to the banks, but they know that they're on the 20, 30, 40, 50 year plan and they need to do something different. So there's a lot of different strategies once you get things under control to make sure that you're not using the credit, um, you know, for things that you can't cover, to not move money around from credit card to credit card each month. But sometimes the situation is such that you just need the reset. You need to sit down with a trustee to reduce that balance. So you can start to move forward. And that's exactly what things like a consumer proposal can do. So it costs you nothing to figure out those options. Uh, and quite often a consumer proposal, if you were carrying a bunch of debts, your proposal payment might be less than the minimum payment just on one of those debts to deal with the entire situation. Excellent. So again, I'm going to give you the website, sands-trustee.com. Uh, you can go there. There's loads of uh, uh, pages that have got great questions and really, really good answers. If you've got some questions, if you want to go ahead and make a call, they've got offices all over British Columbia. It's 1-800-661-3030. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.